Welcome to Corestruction, a show about the missions, activities, and employees of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Tulsa District. I'm your host, Brandon Parrish. February 20th through 26th is Engineers Week, and today we have with us Jeff Rickfelder, who's a cost engineer here at the Corps of Engineers. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. All right. So, Jeff, tell tell me about what section you work in and what you do as a cost engineer. Okay. So, um, I work for uh, Taylor Mann's my supervisor. I work in cost engineering. And basically what we do is any construction project that we get in our district, um, you know, pretty much across the board, uh, we come up with the cost estimate of what we should expect things to cost. So, um, when they get close to the point where contractors will be bidding on our projects. Uh, basically, we almost act as a contractor ourselves to price out what a project's going to cost. And that way we know that we're getting a reasonable, um, that we can look at the proposals and know if they're reasonable or not and uh, determine if contractors may have uh, higher prices in some areas or lower in some areas rather than just like blindly, you know, awarding contracts. It's a the requirement that we have an IGE is what it's called. It's an independent government estimate. So basically, yeah, we just take the um, the drawings and the specifications for whatever it is, uh, whatever project it is, um, kind of come up with our own quantities for different materials, stuff like that, and then uh, do our best to estimate like construction labor, equipment, and materials, and then all the overhead and markups that go along with that. Um, just to create basically a, a mock proposal, essentially, so we have something to compare to. And you arrived here about a year ago. Yeah. So what? What? Uh, where'd you come here from? So I originally I grew up in Michigan, in West Michigan, near Grand Rapids, and um, and I got started with the Corps while I was in college because my neighbor he was actually an area engineer of one of our local offices up there. So I got a summer internship in with him um, and I really enjoyed the projects. They do a lot of like, uh, you know, breakwaters and pier work up there along the Great Lakes and dredging. Um, And then after college, I kind of knew I wanted to go back to work for the Corps, but I kind of grew up in West Michigan my whole life. So I'm like, you know, might as well go out and see something new. So I actually applied for a job out of the Nashville district. And I worked there for a little over three years doing um, dam safety work on one of their major uh, civil works projects. And then after that, I recently transferred over here. Yeah, like you said, like a year and a half ago. So basically Michigan to Tennessee to Oklahoma. How'd you like Tennessee? I I liked it a lot. Um, It was like my first time having a winter that isn't like, you know, 10 degrees for like five months. So uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. And then where I was, was about two hours from the Smoky Mountains. So that was really cool. I, I kind of was spoiled growing up living along the Great Lakes and these huge bodies of water. And But there's not really any mountains in Michigan. So seeing that kind of stuff was really cool. Lots of cool camping and stuff like that. So so Grand Rapids, right? Yep. Is where you grew up. Didn't they have a semi-pro team at one time? They did. Uh, they actually still do. It's it's like the farm league for the NBA. So it's, is it really? Um, yeah, it's the. Uh, I think they're called the Grand Rapids Drive. So they're like the the B team for the Pistons, the Detroit Pistons. So really, yeah. 
Yeah, it's okay. pretty fun. Oh, it's I've been to a couple League games. or whatever they call it yeah. or something like yep, that? Yeah, yep, that's it. So every now and then you'll get a good player that comes down or is an injured and rehabbing, so he'll go play. And you get $5 tickets to go see, like, an all-star play, which is pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. They, it's very much – they've kind of gone into the baseball yeah. sort of – Yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> kind of weird. But, uh, I mean, it's cool because where I grew up was, like, three hours from Detroit. So getting to a Pistons game was kind of hard, so – it's nice when you can just go watch basketball like 20 minutes away. You, uh, you're a, a hiker and a camper yep. and you like the outdoors. Mm-hmm. What, uh, did you, did you do a lot of hiking when you were in Tennessee around the Smoky Mountains? Yeah, definitely. Um, so where I, my, our actual office was, was kind of in a rural area along Center Hill Lake. And, um, and it had this huge state park called Edgar Evans State Park right next to it. And I think I hiked every single trail in that. And then, yeah, whenever I could on weekends, I tried to go a little further east to the Smoky Mountains and do some trout fishing and hiking and stuff like that. Or have you gone over to the Ozarks? And yeah, I have. I not as much as I'd like to, but I've definitely like last summer I tried to go a lot and did some like small river bass fishing and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Now, do they have good fly fishing at all up in the area you are, or is yeah. that something that? Yeah, do? it's about. You know, I know the White River in Arkansas has got a lot of like trophy trout fishing waters. And I've been there a couple times, not as much as I'd like. And then I know there's some rivers south of here, south of Tulsa, like about an hour or two that have some stocked trout water. So do you, do, those any, are, do, you do any trout fishing? Or yeah. Do so that, fly fishing at all or any of that? Yeah. So that's kind of my like ideal way to fish is fly fishing for trout. Um but then when you're in an area where trout aren't around, you know, I still love like fly fishing for bass and stuff. I grew up like salmon fishing in the Great Lakes behind a boat where you just troll and it's not really about casting and stuff like that. And then, um, you know, we'd go into inland lakes and do normal like spinner fishing. And then uh, and then just like during college, I started fly fishing and it's hard for me to even pick up another pole now. It's just like a it's just a way more fun way to fish for me. So a lot more involved than like you know bobber and worm type fishing but i don't know i'll do it all honestly do, do, yeah and you gotta gotta do the yeah it's a lot of active yeah. arm arm motion and there's not a whole lot of breaks you know you're pretty much moving all the whole time which makes it kind of fun especially when you know if you're not catching fish you're still at least practicing casting and stuff like that which is pretty fun do you even make your own flies no i haven't done that yet uh <clears throat> That's something a lot of my friends in Michigan do in the winter time when they're not able to go fishing because everything's frozen. So that's kind of a hobby they've picked up. But luckily down here in Oklahoma, we can you can pretty much find open water year round, which is nice. So I haven't really had to had the time to really get into uh, fly tying yet. What 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 are you learning about Oklahoma versus? you know, where you've been so far? Yeah, that's a good question. So I really like, I moved here, um, not knowing a whole lot about Oklahoma and, um, and right now my girlfriend's going to university of Arkansas. So, uh, I've been spending a lot of time in Arkansas as well. And, you know, growing up, Arkansas is the same way. Like in Michigan, we don't really even like, we didn't have an opinion one way or the other on Oklahoma or Arkansas. So it's like, I pretty much like didn't ever come here until I moved here mm-hmm. and um, kind of just like shot in the dark moving here. But I really like Tulsa. Uh, the The downtown area is really cool and stuff like that. And then 
you do have all these like reservoir lakes around the area, which is cool because it provides a lot of fishing. I think that maybe if anything, I had a, a preconceived notion that it was almost like a, of just plains of desert here, but um, there's like definitely the, some the grapes water. of wrath essentially. Yeah, yeah. basically. I, yeah. Yeah. But it, I do like it here. It's um, I feel like this and Arkansas are both like kind of a, something that no one talks about, but it's actually like a really awesome place to live. Uh, we were talking uh, offline and you mentioned that if you're within about 15 with, with what you do with cost estimates, mm -hmm. um, what is the, how is that challenging? Like what, what do you, you know? Yeah. So I guess, you know, there's just a wide variety of projects and for some of them, the challenging part might be first, like sometimes I take a design and it might be something I'm a little bit unfamiliar with. Like, um, I'm not a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer. I'm a civil engineer by as far as degree goes. So when I get a project and it's like replacing an entire HVAC system for, you know, a barracks or something at one of our air force bases, it is, a. Uh, a lot of times I'm like, I don't even know what this stuff is. So I have to like Google and I have to like look up stuff. I have to ask some of our, uh, like Neil Edders, our lead cost engineer, and he's an electrical engineer. So he helps me with a lot of stuff. And, um, so that's like one big, uh, I guess hurdle I have faced sometimes is just, you know, something outside of my discipline. And then there's also some projects that involve like specialty equipment. Like I was working on, um, a project that involved replacing an industrial water treatment plant, mm. which is a lot of like very specialized mechanical equipment um, in some of those like holding tanks and stuff like that. So another uh, hurdle I have to get through is like finding um, vendors for some of those material or, you know, mechanical equipment. And sometimes that's not always easy to track down. And cause you know, when I'm, when I'm doing my estimates, I'd like to, come up with like as reasonable or like as uh, accurate of a quote as possible. And the best way to do that is to act like you're a contractor and how would you price it out? And I would probably go and call the company that makes the part. And so sometimes it's hard to track down the right part or a, a vendor that has, uh, you know, is in the area that can provide the part. Um, so those are just a couple of the complications that I've seen uh, thus far being a cost engineer. Yeah, the are you seeing a lot of the prices changing too? Oh yeah, yeah, that's something that we've been kind of juggling around with uh, the past. You know, well, I got here a year and a half ago, so basically the whole time I've been here. Um, that's why it's like super important to get real quotes from uh, vendors. You know, even if it's for like a PVC pipe or like a two by four, two by four, like lumber has gone kind of crazy and then settled down and now it's crazy again. So, you know, we have a database of like historical data of what a two by four costs, but that's probably like more accurate pre COVID. And so I will go to home Depot or whatever and look up what a two by four costs on that day. Cause they update their prices daily usually. And, um, you know, that can fluctuate and that can really change a project, uh, a lot, especially, if a lot of the project has to do with that one material, like um, some of our tow drain projects involve like PVC pipes. And that's like kind of the biggest thing that we're putting in. So going to get an actual quote is like super important because otherwise you might pick a, a quote from 10 years ago that makes absolutely no sense compared to what contractors are actually going to go out and buy. Yeah. That seems, that seems challenging. I mean, you're, you're almost playing the prices right. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put Except it. Except you're not guessing. You're you're like the guy on the back end of the prices, right? Right. Yep, that's pretty much it. You know. Yeah. Um and you're you're you try to get within that fifteen percent, was that correct? Right? Yeah, so that's kind of like a rule of thumb. Um I know that there's like certain accusations that uh they they have different rules, but um that's kind of like a rule of thumb that I've been taught and like I mentioned earlier, it's not like uh, it's not necessary that if you're within 15 percent, then all of a sudden you have a great estimate or whatever. It's it it all comes down to like what is a reasonable cost. And just because I'm within 15 percent of a proposal that comes in doesn't mean that, you know, I could be super high and the proposal could be super high, too. So uh, it's just a matter of what's actually in the estimate. But yeah, our goal is to get within 15% to either award a contract or get to a point where we can negotiate even further to a closer number. One thing I've always loved, I've loved like AutoCAD and stuff like that, like design softwares. So one cool thing I get to do is I get to take like stuff from our designer and look at it and almost like, it's not like a quality control check necessarily, but uh, I like looking at 2D drawings and picturing them in my head as 3D. Um, that's kind of the fun part is coming up with the quantities and just wrapping my head around what's going on. But um, yeah, it's not always easy to do the research on the different materials and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And there's it, there's a reason to do it. And it's to come up with a reasonable estimate. But yes, uh, especially when it comes to electrical stuff, I'm very... Uh, not very good at electrical stuff so um yeah it's hard sometimes to like even pick out what wire is necessary stuff like that and then going to come up with a quote for it you know what uh what is your what was your discipline that you you studied in engineering so i i studied civil engineering at western michigan university and um kind of the reason i picked that i knew i wanted to go into engineering but I went, I went in and as a freshman as like engineering on un, undecided, essentially, I didn't know which discipline there was like seven or eight to pick from. And, um, and then basically what it came down to is I just talked to my dad and talked to other civil engineers that like my family knew. And, uh, I think what it came down to is I like being outside and although cost estimators don't always get outside, but a lot of our projects involve outside work and, um, you know, I actually was in, a, in chemical engineering for about a semester. And then I realized that I'm probably going to end up spending most of my time in a laboratory with chemicals. And I'm like, or at least that's what I thought at the time. And I'm like, that does not sound as fun as like going out in a construction site and seeing stuff get built. So that's kind of what steered me into being a civil engineer. And, you know, in the, in the core, you're, you're going to end up working on so many different things, even as a cost. Yeah. engineer you're going to end up being doing a project delivery team probably and, and yeah. working on other things right Just yeah definitely yeah that's one thing i love about the cores how many different things we get involved with people here that don't know like I, a lot of my friends will ask what i do and i say i work for the army corps of engineers and they'll just assume that all we do is like military stuff or you know whatever and in michigan a lot of people think all we do is like dredging but even in Michigan, they do, you know, they help out with VA work and make all the piers and stuff like that. So and then not to mention, like all the campgrounds and the Rangers and all that stuff that the Army Corps has, which is like why I love working for this organization. Yeah, people think lakes. Yeah. Sometimes they think dams. 
Yeah. Um, I, I always thought, you know, flooding, like I thought people would be building before I came to the core, I thought people would be building like uh, sandbags. <laughs> like that's kind of like what I was, cause like I had always thought about flooding in the core. Yeah. And, um, because you know, that flood, flood control mission, but right. But like, yeah, you don't, you don't see, see people building sandbags. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Usually, only in emergencies do yeah. we get into the sandbag business. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we still do have. I mean, the flood control thing is like the, the yeah the most yeah. important thing we do, and like everything like you do supports that mission. You know, or yeah. the infrastructure that supports that mission. Right. Um, is there a? Do you have like a future, a future gig you want to do in the core? Like, ah, uh, that's a good question. Um. I think one cool thing is like, so like I mentioned before, before I was a cost engineer, I was a COR on a dam safety project and we were building like a, you know, I don't remember how many millions of dollars, but it was, you know, a three year project of building a concrete dam. So I got this to witness like kind of an all field type work where I was in the, in the field every day. And I really liked that. And then now I'm pretty much like in the office 95% of the time uh, doing computer work. So, but then I feel like another reason I got into civil engineering is there's so many different avenues to go down in civil engineering. Like, I feel like it's one of the most broad of all the disciplines. So, uh, going forward, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of things just within the core that I would like to try out, uh, like geotechnical stuff. And I'd like to get more into like project scheduling. Cause that's like one thing that could help out my current position. Um, I don't really have like a, a top goal of like a specific position, but I definitely want to like, kind of keep trying stuff out, you know, you like the idea of variety. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It keeps things interesting for sure. Yeah. That's, that's what I I hear from a lot of people is that they, they enjoy the the diversity of jobs that they, they can do, or even within, you know, being an engineer, you can, you could be, you know, on the levy program or damn safety or geotechnical stuff do you now do you have a geotechnical background within your civil civil engineering degree or yeah so there was like a a couple classes that were kind of requirements because um the way our school laid it out was you could kind of you could kind of specialize within civil engineering and geotechnical is one of the options the other were like uh general construction and then structural engineering which um you know all of them were interesting to me i just kind of liked the outdoors portion of construction and seeing stuff go from like a drawing to an actual thing in the field. So I just pretty much took the minimal, uh, geotechnical type of classes. There's like two or three specialized ones. Yeah. Um, you, you had a quote, you had a quote about <laughs> from, from Sun Tzu. Uh-huh. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Why yeah. did, why is that why does that <laughs> quote particularly speak to you? Oh man, that's funny that you brought that up. Cause I I had to fill out this thing, uh just all these this information about myself and <laughs> provide a quote and uh and I'm like so bad at quotes. I don't know, I didn't know any. So I just like I started Googling like what is a like top quotes of all time. <laughs> And I just <laughs> scrolled down the list until I saw one that I liked. I'm like, this sounds good. But I will say that I do um, I do think it's a good quote because sometimes you can be faced with a task that's like on, on the surface is like super overbearing. And 
you know, you might be like super like hesitant to even get started. And I think that quote is very strong because it's just saying that the only way to really get anything done is to start doing whatever that thing is, I guess. So if it not, did click if, with me, but I did have to Google it as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, if you're not motivated to do something, sometimes like just putting on your running shoes. Yeah, exactly. To get you to run five minutes, right? Yeah. I've you, heard a lot of healthcare people or uh, fitness people say that. Yeah. Know? The best way to, you know, ensure that you go work out of the gym is to go drive to the gym and in your workout clothes. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Even if you don't even, yeah. Even if you don't think you're going to stay very long. Right. Yeah. Um, that's just, it's funny you said that. And uh, cause I saw that quote and I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty, pretty well known. <laughs> pretty well known. It's, yeah. Quote. It's probably the first quote that shows up on the internet. <clears throat> no, no. Yeah. I didn't. I, didn't I was like, oh yeah. Be. He looked at one of those motivational yep. posters. Yeah, Did pretty you? much. I'm pretty sure I've seen. Were that you down on the fourth floor running yeah. around the. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's up there. Yeah, probably I think it's up is. there somewhere. Yeah. It'd be very fitting if it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So you like to bike as well? Are you into the like the the ten speed, twelve speed biking, or are you more into the mountain biking? Or yeah, so uh, I I like it all. Um, where I grew up, I grew up kind of like right along the lake shore of Lake Michigan. Uh, that makes me sound fancy, but you know, I was like not actually on the lake shore. But um, basically, there's this road called Lakeshore Drive that had a really good bike path next to it, and I could take it into work every day. And that's kind of what got me into it. Um, my actually my area engineer that I was an intern for, he biked to work every day of the year that it wasn't snowing and he was, and he recently retired. So he did that almost his whole career. And that was kind of inspiring to me. That's kind of what got me into biking too, is just like, it's a fun way to get in shape. And that was on a 10 speed, uh, like a road bike. But then ever since I moved here, it seems like mountain biking is kind of a big thing as, as soon as you get into Arkansas and stuff like that. So, uh, I have like a 1994 Trek mountain bike that I've taken on mountain biking trails, but I would not suggest that because <laughs> they are definitely more inclined for the suspension type, uh, you know, modern day mountain bike. <laughs> really? But yeah, but those can get pretty pricey. So I just usually stick with my road bike and then, um, yeah, maybe one day I'll, uh, I'll get serious about mountain biking too. Culturally speaking, with the exception of the weather, what's probably the most different thing about michigan and oklahoma that you've noticed huh that's a good question um do you think there's a difference in like the people a lot or is that that kind of like that whole like regional the people are different here and then there thing yeah i mean it's definitely like different but i don't i don't know exactly how to describe it um i guess i could i would compare the people of oklahoma a lot to the people i met in tennessee um like, I guess like Oklahoma is technically the South. So it's kind of like the Southern hospitality type mindset that, um, I definitely saw in Tennessee and I'm, I'm definitely seeing in Oklahoma, despite, you know, I've pretty much lived here only during COVID. So it's been a little bit different to like meet people and stuff like that. But, um, but that doesn't, you know, I'm not saying that people in Michigan don't also like have, you know, very, you know, nice manners and stuff like that. Um, I think I'm fortunate to have lived in those three places because I don't think that they're known or have I witnessed any, like, I don't know, like uncomfortableness. Like, I think just the overall like vibe of the people has been really good in all the places I've been. Is uh, Grand Rapids about the same size as Tulsa and 
That's a good question. I want I want to say that it's probably smaller. Okay. But it's definitely been growing in the past five to ten years. But that's just a guess. I'm not a hundred percent positive. I would say, yeah, I would guess it's probably smaller. Do you come from a family of engineers? No, I don't. Well, I guess no. Uh, extended family, yes. But my immediate family, my brother, he works in sales. My sister is a physical therapist. Uh, my mom was a school teacher. And my dad, he had a title of sales engineer, which basically is a combination. So he is an engineer at, at heart, but not like professionally. He didn't go to school for engineering, but he's, you know, he works on cars and stuff like that. Like he's good with motors. Um, what? How old were you when you knew you wanted to be an engineer? That's a good question. Um, I would say, so coming out of high school, I was like, I was always in advanced like math classes and stuff like that. And I knew I wanted to do something with math because it was like I was obviously like I felt like I was good at it and I didn't hate it like I did for some other subjects in school. So I told my dad that and we kind of talked about it. And I he was, you know, like, you know, maybe go to community college, figure it out. And I was like, I really want to go to like university. And he's like, well, do if you go to university, like do something that, you know, is going to be like super worth it, like, you know, something in STEM. And so that's why we talked about going into engineering. And then, um, yeah, I think I said earlier, I, I went into school as like an undis or like a undetermined engineer. I'm not sure which specific one I wanted to go into. And then I think it all clicked when I interned with the Army Corps of Engineers and saw, you know, that you get to, you know, design stuff or like witness construction and meet a bunch of people out in the field. And, you know, I think that was kind of the moment where I'm like, yeah, I can see myself kind of doing this type of work the rest of my life. But you didn't really have a whole lot of exposure to construction sites growing up or to the to, to people who were builders and going out and right. working yeah. on construction. Yeah. I, my first job was <clears throat> at a blueberry farm. Um, when wow. I was like 13 or 14, I probably shouldn't say, I don't know if that's legal or not, but, um, uh, I think we're past yeah. the statute of limitations. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, <laughs> and then after that, I worked at, um, I worked at a restaurant for like 10 years on and off during the summers of high school and college. And then, um, yeah, other than that, no, I really didn't have any, like, I never worked on like construction myself or no one in my family really did. So yeah, that's kind of a good point. I never even thought about that. I never really had that experience before like being a in the army corps of engineers i guess and you went to you went to western michigan yep now where is that located in so that's in kalamazoo michigan if you've heard of it it's like southwest who hasn't heard of kalamazoo it is a fun word to say it is yeah it's a cool town it's um it's about an hour south of grand rapids and it's uh it's a little smaller um it used to be like a big paper mill there and a big chemical factory and stuff and um, it, yeah, it's a cool little town. There's two colleges. There's Kalamazoo college and Western Michigan university kind of like our campuses pretty much were bordering each other. So it was, it was a cool college town to grow up in, like as far as sports go and like, you know, all the, all that type of stuff. So you weren't too far from home. No, it was about an hour and 20 to my parents' house, which was pretty nice. Just nice enough where they wouldn't surprise me with visits. And I, <laughs> Would still be able to go home a couple times a semester. I knew so many people in college whose parents used to come visit them and they would get so irritated. Yeah, my both my siblings went to a college that was like 20 minutes down the road and they're both older than me. So I saw how that was going. I'm like, I need to get a little bit of distance here. <laughs> so they would just show up at, at their 
Yeah, I, I feel like they did. Yeah, apartment or whatever. Yeah, or they'd want to meet up at like you know Wednesday night for dinner or something, and I just you know. <laughs> Looking back, I probably should have showed my parents a little more respect than that because, you know, now I live 12 hours from them and I wish I could see them more. So it's weird how things go full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get to have you been able to go back? To yeah. Visit your family? Yeah. I was back there around <clears throat> Christmas time for like four or five days. Yeah. I usually I try to go up like at least twice a year, maybe once in the summer, once in the winter. Do you feel like you get enough cold weather in Oklahoma where you're just like you're like. Like just when you start kind of missing the Michigan fall and the Michigan winter, like, do you, do you feel like you get just enough in Oklahoma or do you feel like, ah, I could use some more? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I do. Um, one thing I like described to my friends that still live in Michigan, it's like Oklahoma winters are kind of like Michigan falls, but the entire year round, which is like super nice to me. Um, but then whatever we got that, like ice storm a couple weeks ago, I felt like I was back in Michigan, but so I, I would say I don't miss the cold, but I do sometimes miss the snow because I do like skiing and cross country skiing and stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's nowhere to really do that here. Even if it does snow, there's no ski hills, but, um, Colorado is not too far away though. Yeah, that's true. I'm actually going there soon for a oh, ski really? trip. Yeah. I've never gone skiing in Colorado, but, um, yeah, it's about five times as big as the stuff I skied at in Michigan. So it should be real fun. So it's really, yeah, you're really going to get tested. Yeah. Yep. Who'd have thought you'd have to, you'd have to go south to, to do more skiing. Yeah. That is weird. Have you, have you done the the trip out to Arkansas for the fall leaves and everything around the Ozarks and all that? Or Oh uh, yeah. I've done a couple hikes over by um, Devil's Den State Park, which is just south of Fayetteville. And um, it's a really cool area. And we did that in the fall and it was, yeah, it's super nice. Uh, I'd like to see a little more, you know, I feel like we're even there still like on the edge of the Ozarks. I haven't done anything up in like Missouri or anything like that. So I'd like to, you know, explore more definitely this fall. Have you been around to most of the dams yet or a lot? Have you? Not have you really. Been? No, I've worked on, I've worked on projects at most of them, but um, no, so far I've only really been to like RS Kerr and I think that's like the only one I've, I've been to like a few of our air force bases we work on, but I, as far as dams go, I think I've only really been to RS Kerr. Yeah. Are you, were you working on the costing for the, the gates gate project there for other stuff or no, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was something for the powerhouse. They're relocating their transformers. This was, uh, this was kind of right when I got started here about a year and a half ago, it was like a modification to a contract that was already going. Um, they were, running some duck banks out of underground over to the switchyard um, that were, you know, another one that was electrical based. And that was like kind of my first one where I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be working on some projects I'm not super familiar with. But uh, Eric Frank out at RS Curve was really helpful and um, kind of explaining a lot of it to me. And then Neil's also an electrical guy. So he helped out a lot too. I think we were talking earlier and we were talking about taking stuff apart or you were interested. You, that was kind of like how you were as a kid. Is that correct? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember like my dad had a thing where he'd always buy bikes from like garage sales, like single speed, old school bikes. And I remember like liking to take them apart and paint them and put them back together. And then I also like had one of those razor scooters when I was a kid and I would like try to put like new parts on it and stuff. So that was definitely something I like to do. Um, I bought a moped once for $30 and 
uh we like replaced the cylinder on it and stuff so it's always been an interest to me when that kind of makes me sound like a mechanical engineer but i don't know i just ended up at civil yeah it's interesting too because like i i knew a lot of guys in college who were engineering majors mm-hmm. there were like three or four of them that were lived we all like kind of lived in the same apartment complex and it was small and um yeah the mechanical guys were they really really liked that but it seemed like all of them I and mean, one guy was a an electrical engineering major and they were all like so good at, at hands-on just taking things apart did you find that to be the case with most most of like is that like a and i don't know if engineers ever discuss this when they're together <laughs> but because i don't think they did but like you it's something you see right yeah like, um but did did that seem to be like a common theme with a lot of the engineers you knew in college too like when you were going to school that they were also the types who would tinker with stuff. And- yeah, definitely. Um, I One of my roommates in college was a mechanical engineer, and now he works for GM uh, working on cars and stuff like that. And he was on, like, I think that there was just a lot of, like, extracurricular activities that were centered around getting your hands on stuff, especially for the mechanical engineers, it seemed like. Like, he was on, um, it was basically like a dune buggy race car team. I don't remember what they called it, but they pretty much, like, from the ground up design their own car and put like an old Chevy motor into it and stuff. And it was like about as hands-on as it gets. And I think that's why he kind of went down the road of working on cars. So yeah, it just seems like, and even our classes themselves had projects that were involved with hands-on, like for civil engineering. I remember we had a, a concrete lab where we'd have to make like different mixes of concrete and test the different properties every week. So yeah, and then I tell my roommates that my other roommates that were in like business school and stuff, and they were always a little bit jealous because they're like, "Yeah, we don't really get to really do any of that hands-on stuff." So I think that is definitely something that our whole engineering school got to kind of take a part in. What do you miss most about Michigan aside from your family? I mean, yeah, I would say, um, I would say probably either. A lot of people probably don't even know this, but um, the Great Lakes, like in the summertime, to me is like if you get like the warmest day of August and it is like the water's warm. I I grew up along Lake Michigan, which is like, uh, you know, across from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I think I missed the beach the most. When I was a kid, I would go to the the beach pretty much any day if it was above like 65 degrees. And, um, and it's just like picture the ocean, but it's fresh water. That's like crystal clear. You know, it's like the best beach day ever is going to like Lake Michigan to me. So I definitely miss that. And that's definitely something I do when I do go uh, back there in the summer. And then my dad's got a pontoon boat. So um, just boating and stuff like that. But I know you can do that here. But um, yeah, that's a big thing here. Yeah, it is. And it's really cool. I need to get a boat. But um, (laughs) but I would say, yeah, the beach and then like salmon fishing is really cool. Um, I remember going out as a kid and like we'd leave at like 435 a.m and go like go out and just bring a bag of pretzels and just go troll the rivers or the lake for salmon and come home with like you know like six salmon that are 20 pounds a piece it's just like awesome yeah super fun i haven't done that in a while but yeah i I would say that but then like obviously there's a a bunch of stuff i don't miss like you know cold weather nine months out of the year (laughs) wow were you a college football fan up there or yeah a, a big uh Lions fan? Or? Oh, I'm a big Lions fan. That's never going to change. Although 
they'll never be good. But um, no, I I grew up in a fam- a family full of Notre Dame fans, so I was kind of a Notre Dame fan by default. And I know Notre Dame's in Indiana, but it was like three hours from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but then yeah, all my friends in high school were either Michigan or Michigan State fans, and that was always like the big you know rivalry. And then the school I went to, Western Michigan, they are like kind of a smaller conference team, but we'd always you know go to the games and root for them. But yeah, so I I don't know I've I've fallen off of the college football game a little bit and more focused on the Lions winning the Super Bowl, which will hopefully happen in my lifetime. <laughs> Is that weird to see Matthew Stafford just won a Super Bowl with the Rams and? Yep, that's it, I'm really happy for him, and most of the Lions are. Uh, <clears throat> I've been like you know looking up all this stuff about the Lions, like how are we going to be next year? And every time you Google Detroit Lions, all they're talking about is Matt Stafford and how he's winning the Super Bowl, and it's like as if he's still on our team or something. And I actually heard that Detroit's going to throw a parade for him, which is really funny to me. But, um, cause this is like the closest we'll ever get to a Super Bowl, I guess, but vicariously living yeah. through your previous quarterback. Yeah, pretty much. But, um, yeah. no, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, I wish it would have been with Detroit, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's just been a really weird year for, for Georgia people. You know, with 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 uh, the Braves winning the the World Series, and oh yeah, Georgia just won the national championship, and then their former uh, former Georgia quarterback Matt Stafford just won the yeah the Super Bowl. So that's oh, yeah, what a it's good been year. kind of a trifecta for them. Yeah, so must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Lions have have had a, a pretty rough, a pretty rough, uh, pretty rough go of it. Yeah, they've never the won a playoff game in my entire life. Really? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The last one was the year before I was born. <laughs> yeah. And it's so weird, too, with some of the players that they've had. You know, Barry Sanders. Yeah. Years and, I mean, and Matt Stafford yep. and Megatron and, you know. Yep. Um, well, what have I not asked you that I should have asked you during this um, interview? Hmm. That's a good question. What did you think you were going to come on and talk about versus what you talked about that maybe you were like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about this? Well, I didn't I didn't think we were going to be able to talk about the Lions, but I'm really glad we were. Um, other than that, <laughs> uh, I expected a lot more like specific, like, you know, like questions that were going to put me on the spot about certain projects that were going on. But um, but that's fine because uh, I don't know, there's a there's a lot of projects on my plate and, you know. Uh, other than that, I don't really know. Is there a big project that you're working on that, that is, is, is taking the majority of your time? And, and... Um, I would say right now it's kind of like a grouping of projects. Uh, the civil works projects I'm assigned to are all the tow drains. Uh, I'm on like Call Lake, Pat Mays, Copan and Hula, I think are the four that I'm working on. And, uh, they're kind of like still in the design phases, but, um, yeah, those are going to start rolling in here, I think, a lot quicker, and that will take up a lot of my time. But um, those are cool projects to work on. Uh, some of them are very similar to one another, but other ones have different things like drainage ditches and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the big ones right now on my plate. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and sit down and talk with me about engineering and being an engineer for the core. Um, and I hope you're able to to get out and visit some of those dams, more of the dams soon, because like they're, I mean, just I've, you know, I've been to most of them and they're amazing, mm-hmm. but, um, 
I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know as an engineer, you guys are, are sometimes pulled in multiple directions, but also, you know, you, you're, you're busy. Uh, cause it's, it's what, what advice would you have for, for new engineers? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, first off, thanks for having me. Uh, but I would say one thing that I noticed, like, I'm not like biased towards the army Corps of engineers or anything, but, uh, like if I were to talk to like college kids that are in engineering, I think that, uh, I think a lot of like my, the people I graduated with were all about like, what is my starting salary going to be and stuff like that. But like then not even caring that they might be working 80 hours a week and stuff like that. And, but then I would just tell them like, look into working for the government or for the army Corps of engineers, because you get great benefits and you work on these really cool projects. And there's so many cool people that work there. And one thing I like is about here is that if you don't like your specific position, there's like probably 10 other positions that you qualify for as an engineer. Um, so I would just say like, yeah, that, um, to just like really kind of look at the projects you'll be involved with in the offices and stuff like that. Cause, um, I know a lot of my friends have switched jobs like six times since they graduated cause they just are overworked or they hate the work. And, you know, a lot of the companies can be super specialized. And, um, so I guess, yeah, just that I would say to work for the army Corps of engineers would be a, a good start for an engineer to consider. They're experiencing a lot of engineer burnout from yeah. the private sector. Yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of, um, a lot of companies kind of like kind of lure in recent graduates, but then say like, okay, well, you're going to work weekends the first, you know, two years you're here and stuff like that. And they just get burnt out. And, um, and I've never really experienced that. Like my supervisor has been great. He gives me as much work as I, you know, can handle, but he understands if I have too much on my plate and it's just been a, it's been that way ever since I worked for the core. And I think that's like a great thing to, to do for your employees. Yeah. There's definitely trade-offs, right? Yeah. Like you may not, you may not start off making as much money, but you definitely have some, I, I think, especially if you're, you know, you like to, you know, go places on the weekends and, and have your weekends, you know, unless it's, unless it's a really major project on a tight deadline or, right. um, or there's a flood or something where you're, where you're working that side of it. Yeah, you know, definitely. You, you generally have time and that's, that's really nice. And especially with the, the, the time off, you know, compared to it's very, very competitive. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Thank you again, Jeff. I really appreciate, uh, your time. And, yeah. Thank um, you. Have a, have a great, have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks. I hope you do too. Uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for Core Construction. Core Construction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Core Construction was brought to you by Engineering and Construction Division. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.